How many gay historical figures do you know? Probably not that many. Most of them live their lives in secrecy, and history books tend to ignore any rainbow flags that someone might present. But they existed. They were people just like us, writers and innovators and artists and leaders, and they don't deserve to hide any longer. We're your hosts, Mary Rogers and Eileen Yamamoto, and join us as we uncover the ghosts in the closet. Historians say they were very close friends. Gal pals. Colleagues. Best friends. Independent. Companions. Rebellious. Roommates. Um, weren't they just queer? You're listening to Ghosts in the Closet with Mary Rogers and Eileen Yamamoto. Hi everyone, I'm Eileen. And I'm Mary. And welcome to another episode of Ghosts in the Closet. Join us today as we head back to the women's suffrage movement of the 1920s, where women were getting the vote and getting it on. With each other, apparently. <laughs> today we'll be covering a few women who were prominent figures in the fight for women's suffrage in the US and Canada, Woo! as well as being queer trailblazers in their own right. Before we get into that, however, let's recap some recent queer news. Canada's women's Olympic hockey team won gold at the Beijing Olympics last week, which we are ecstatic about. You might be wondering how this fits into the queer news category, but we can assure you that it does. It really does. <laughs> A new poll found that the percentage of LGBTQ adults in the U.S. has doubled over the past decade, rising from 3.5% in 2012 to 7.1% in 2022. At this rate, maybe the bigots do have something to worry about. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's so funny. <laughs> okay. Jeopardy! champion Amy Schneider revealed that she is engaged to her girlfriend, Genevieve Davis. Schneider made history as the first transgender Jeopardy! contestant and as the highest-earning female contestant in the show's entire run, scoring 40 wins. To Amy, congratulations on your 41st. Over 100 years ago, women in North America began fighting and winning in the battle for the right to vote. White women in the U.S. were granted this right with the ratification of the 19th Amendment in 1920, and in Canada, black and white women in all provinces, with the exception of Quebec, were able to vote by 1922. Of course, the fight did not stop there. The early suffrage movement was also one of exclusion. In the U.S., Asian women couldn't vote until 1943, and black women couldn't vote freely until the passage of the Voting Rights Act in 1965. With their work far from over, suffragettes continued to work well into the 20th century. All throughout this movement, it was queer women who paved the way, challenging heteronormativity, breaking down gender and racial barriers, and leading us to a brighter, more just future. Today, we'll be talking about a few of those women. We've learned a lot from researching this episode, and we're super excited to bring it to you. So let's get into it. The first suffragette we'll be discussing today is Anna Howard Shaw, a preacher and activist who is one half of what some would consider a 19th century lesbian power couple. <laughs> Anna was born in 1847 and faced many hardships throughout her early life. Her father was mostly absent and she had to take care of her family from a young age, especially after they relocated to the Michigan frontier when she was 12. The family lived in poverty and she worked as a school teacher when she was 15 to support them. That is insane. I know. Like, when I was 15, like, imagine having, a, like, a real job, like, as a school teacher. Yeah, like, like, 15. That is so unimaginable. They were probably, like, having babies at 15, though, back then, Yeah. Too. True, 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 true. <laughs> 
After the Civil War, Anna was able to move away and she became active in the Methodist Church, becoming a licensed preacher when she was 24. She went to a few schools to further her education, including the Boston Theological Seminary, where she was the only woman in a class of 42 men. She ran into many barriers in becoming a church leader, mostly along the lines of women can't be ministers. <laughs> but she was eventually ordained in 1890. She ministered at two churches and also got her medical degree from Boston University in 1886. Sheesh! <laughs> that is ridiculous. She was already breaking down a lot of barriers. What, one out of 42 men? That'd be horrible. It'd be scary. And it said that she also, they tried to like take her license away and stuff, but she kept fighting through it. Wow. So very impressive. I would just be absolutely burnt out by then. <laughs> yeah. Taking care of your family. Dude, the medical degree too? Yeah, that's, that's just like a big resume. Eventually, Anna, who was an incredibly skilled speaker, retired from preaching to take part in the women's suffrage movement. She met Susan B. Anthony in 1887, who encouraged her to get further involved in the movement and utilize her excellent speaking skills. Anna went on to play a key role in creating the NAWSA, or the National American Women's Suffrage Association, which was a unified organization made by combining several separate women's suffrage organizations. Anna was the president of the NAWSA for 11 years starting in 1904, and here's an interesting tidbit. In 1911, NAWSA elected Jane Addams and Sofa Nisba Breckenridge as vice presidents to Anna. All three women were recorded to have long-lasting same-sex relationships, meaning that during this highly critical time in the women's suffrage movement, it's possible that its main leaders were three queer women. Okay, that is... Like, okay, I know. I, I can't say that I'm entirely surprised, <laughs> but just like, why didn't I know this? <laughs> like, what a win. I know. It's it's insane. They were like, what a community. Honestly. I just, I think that's such an interesting tidbit. Yeah. I think that's such an important thing to, to know. Right? Like, feeling proud. <laughs> Anna met her lifelong partner, Lucy Anthony, in the 1890s. Lucy worked as a secretary for her aunt, the one and only Susan B. Anthony, Woo! and later served as Anna and Susan B. Anthony's manager on their speaking tours. Susan B. Anthony allegedly expressed some concern about the two, worried about her niece's well-being due to the 10-year age gap in their relationship. However, Anna assured her that she would take care of Lucy, and she never faltered on her promise. About their relationship, Susan B. Anthony once wrote, I wanted what I feared I shouldn't find. That is, a young woman who would be to me every way what Lucy is to the Reverend Anna Shaw. Ugh. Which is very queer in itself, yeah. I think. <laughs> she said Like, that. undisputably queer. But also, like, so sweet. It, it gives you kind of the an idea of how beautiful and close and intimate their relationship was. Yeah. And it was nice that they could, I guess, be a bit open about it. Yeah. Um, it seems like, like there are a lot of instances, like, we'll get into a bit later, where they're really openly discussing their queerness well amongst each other it must have just been such a i don't know intimate right. community because not only are you fighting for women's rights together but you're all or a lot of you are also you know in the queer community that mm -hmm. i don't know i would just imagine the bond that a group like that would have would be so strong exactly especially about something that you wouldn't like talk about normally i think yeah you have this community this outlet that you can just be yourself with and i think that's important you know when you're when you're fighting for something so significant that you know like you can trust the people that are standing with you absolutely lucy and anna lived together in a house in pennsylvania until anna died in 1919 with lucy at her bedside they were together for 30 years much of that time spent fighting for a cause they were endlessly passionate about 
they were a power couple 100 percent. the epitome of a power couple <laughs> like <laughs> very impressive and 30 years is a really substantial amount of time yeah oh my gosh good for them yeah and i guess like people would have had to know well i guess i guess some women in the women's suffrage movement did have a reputation of being like like spinsters or like anti-men which yeah. is why they might have been able to live like that like kind of secretly true but it's just i don't know it's funny that it's like no they weren't necessarily you know it wasn't that they couldn't find men it was that they were just with each other they did not want to find men <laughs> yeah Unfortunately, Anna died just months before the ratification of the 19th Amendment or the culmination of her life's work. Though she never got to see her dream realized, we can assume that she was happy with the incredible work she had done. Because as she herself once said, quote, Nothing bigger can come to a human being than to love a great cause more than life itself. Oh, I love that quote. It's just, well, yeah, I don't know what other word to use um, to describe it other than inspiring. It really is. It really is. Like, if you think about it, it is so sad that she never got to, like, she died just months before it happened. Yeah. But it's like she, she she spent her life fighting for something that did happen. And it's it's just a really nice, I think, thing. And her, her like, Lucy, her lover, wife, whatever, mm-hmm. got to see it happen, too. Yeah, so. that was her, her legacy, at, at least. Yeah. Oh, that is so nice. Now, it wasn't only her niece who was a queer trailblazer. Susan B. Anthony herself may have been one, too. One of the most well-known names of the women's suffrage movement, Anthony was a prominent social activist. Aside from women's suffrage, she was also a champion of abolition, labor rights, and even temperance of the movement to ban alcohol. I was just going to ask how you felt about her support of the temperance movement. Um... our girl um i don't know it was a different time you think she's just like no fun at parties <laughs> like probably well maybe Can she just all like, respect to susan b anthony yeah like she might have just like had her own bad experiences with it or like been affected by True. people who and a, like the temperance movement was really popular back then so yeah <laughs> i just think it's funny i don't know like the whole temperance movement i think just like looking back on history knowing that it did happen, and then it lasted, like, two years, <laughs> yeah. and everyone was like, no way. Yeah, never mind. And, like, looking back, obviously, that would just never happen nowadays. Yeah. So it's, like, it's just comical to me, but she's probably very passionate about it. Yeah, and, yeah, like, I don't know. I feel like any support of it would be with the, the motivation of, like, wanting the world to be a better place, a safer place, want, like, looking out for, for children and that sort of thing. So I do understand it. Now it seems like such a like, outlandish thing, but yeah. at the time, I'm sure like she felt like she was doing something really good, so I respect that. And it's like, they didn't even have... They didn't even have white claws back then. <laughs> they didn't even have Summers True. Beside like, they didn't even know. So it's like... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. <clears throat> okay, so... Of course, being one of the bigger names of the movement, her life isn't exactly a forgotten mystery to us, Uh, so instead we'll be focusing on what the history books might have left out about her life. Historically, Anthony was very much anti-marriage. When she was 18, she wrote, quote, I think any female would rather live and die an old maid, end quote. (laughs) (laughs) She's kind of right. Gay! Yeah, right? Like, that's pretty gay. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, like nobody, nobody wants to marry men, right? Like it's, it's not just me. Yeah, ugh, I hate men. <laughs> Wish I could die an old maid. Ugh. Just like live with women for the rest of my life as an old maid. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, so, as she became a prominent public figure, she was often asked about her marital status, to which she usually replied that she was happier as an independent woman, or that she hadn't met a man to her liking yet. Which, yeah, like, me when my mom asks me <laughs> I have a boyfriend. <laughs> That's so funny. And so, she also may have had no interest in men at all. Anthony was said to have had two major relationships with women. The first was talented public speaker and civil rights activist Anna Dickinson, who has been called, quote, America's Joan of Arc, end quote. And in letters to Anna, Anthony wrote, quote, I invite you to come to me here and sleep with me in my fourth story bedroom to snuggle you. <laughs> to snuggle you, darling, closer than ever. Are you serious? I invite you to come. Are you serious? I invite you to come to my ground floor bedroom. <laughs> Let's snuggle. Who says that? Oh my god. Snuggle, darling. Snuggle with me, darling. Dude, I want Anthony to call me darling. Okay. Um, another quote that she wrote to Anna. Somehow, your very breath gives me new hope and new life. That's lovely. That is so romantic. Uh, and lastly, quote, I must see you and can't put it on paper. My heart is full. Aww. I think that one's my favorite. I'm really a sucker for, you know, those lines that are like, you know, words can't express, like I can't describe. Like it's just, mm -hmm. I, I, I just like the idea of like such a raw sensation and, and passion right. that you just like can't put it into words. Oh, that's very, I like the way you said that. That's very good. I'm a sappy girl like that. Bottom line, these letters are all very gay, I must say. I think really, yes. Super gay. Um, <laughs> and there's even one more. Ah, yes. And even years later, after their relationship had ended, Anthony wrote, quote, My darling Anna, I'm awfully glad to know you still live. No one ever has or ever will fill the niche in my heart that you did, my dear. End quote. Wow. Wow. <laughs> it sounds like Anna was very much the love of her life. Is that what I'm gathering? Yeah, I would... I would say so as well. Like she, this, that quote is like, it was again years after the relationship ending. <laughs> I think it's funny that I'm awfully glad to know you still live. <laughs> like sometimes I forget that like they had no way of like catching up with each other unless they like got letters. Yeah, that is so true. It's like, oh, is, is this person still alive? Like, oh, I wonder. <laughs> so, it, so it seems like she really did never forget her. Yeah, so it definitely seems like she was her great love. Mm -hmm. Oh, and I love that. So towards the end of her life, Anthony developed a relationship with a married woman named Emily Gross. In one letter, she explicitly referred to Emily as her lover, though the exact meaning is debated. I, like, it can only really mean one thing in my personal Yeah, I guess, like, they said that apparently lover can also mean, like, a friend, but then... I'm sorry. Apparently, like, Susan B. Anthony didn't, like, use language like that, but... Yeah. I don't know. I just think <laughs> it's they were definitely lovers, I think. Um, Would agree. She was married, which I, I think is juicy and fun. Yeah, damn. <laughs> look at Susan B. Anthony, homewrecker. Uh, <laughs> That's so funny. Are you serious? <laughs> Who knew she's a trailblazer? She's an activist. And most importantly, she's a homewrecker. <laughs> kind of badass, I must say. Yeah, I support it. So the two often traveled together and stayed together. You know, if the rate is attractive enough. Um, and... <laughs> Sorry. I had to say it. Oh, that is so funny. <laughs> that is perfect. That is absolutely perfect. <laughs> Yeah, to anybody who doesn't know, that is a Carol reference. I'm, I'm keeping that. You guys should watch Carol. It's really good. Watch Carol. Please watch Carol. <laughs> 
I swear they're not paying us to tell you this. Kate Blanchett literally sends us an envelope of Please. money every month to promote <laughs> Carol. Um, yeah, so they traveled together and stayed together, and Anthony raved about her to friends and relatives. And it was during this relationship that Anthony said one of her famous quotes, quote, I'm sure no man could have made me any happier than I have been. I never found the man who was necessary to my happiness. I was very well as I was. I just, I love how it's worded. Um, right. I never found the man who was necessary to my happiness. Like, I think that's just a great way for people to understand it. Like, if they don't realize she's queer. Right. Like, you don't, you don't need a man to be happy. You're not an accessory to men. Right. Um, so it's not necessarily like, oh, I hate men. It's just like... I don't need one. Like, I am my own person and I'm able to fulfill myself. And I, I just think that's awesome. I love that. And putting it into context, too, like, she was probably very much in love with a woman when she said that. Yeah. So it has, like, such a nice double meaning. Yeah. Where it's, like, so, it's so very, like, modern feminism. And then also just, like, I'm never happier than I have been now because I'm in love yeah. with a woman. So it's, it's just really sweet that she was, like, it's, like, she was, like, playing a joke on the people she was talking about like a personal joke almost. it's true because yeah like hearing that quote and knowing yeah it just it really hits different um mm -hmm. it's making me happy to think about i like it because like so much like stuff about susan b anthony all her quotes about men and like her you know wanting to be an old maid they kind of paint her as a very like stoic right kind of you know she doesn't need love she doesn't whatever because we're thinking about that in the context of men because it sounds like she's like okay she's an independent woman she doesn't need anybody but the truth is she really was you know yearning and, and wanting yeah of, of women and she she was very tender in that sense so i think it's like unfair we can't look at it from uh, the lens of how she was feeling towards men because it gives you like a whole new perspective of who she was and the kind of person True. she was it like humanizes her more. yeah like she wasn't just you know, like anti-marriage because, well, you know, if I can't find a man, like no one should be able to. It's just like <laughs> that was funny. The women we've discussed today barely scratch the surface of queer suffragettes. In the research for this episode alone, we came across a dozen other women who were openly queer and in loving relationships with each other. We were almost giddy reading about these women, partially because this kind of representation means more than you can imagine, and partially because this was entirely new information for us. We had no idea about the role that queer women played in this movement. After all, to put it bluntly, women are very much invisible in history, especially if their lives and accomplishments existed outside of men. Uh, and for many of these queer trailblazers, existing outside of men was kind of the point. Finally, we just want to take a moment to acknowledge how incredible this really is. Mm -hmm. One of the main reasons that unmarried queer women were heading this movement is because they couldn't rely on a man to vote for them. They had to go out and get it on their own. When we think of these queer suffragettes, we don't get the feeling of isolation or abnormality that is so often associated with queer people in history. It's heartwarming to think about all the lesbian power couples in this movement and the connections they had with each other, like Susan B. Anthony being supportive but envious of her niece's relationship, or Anna Howard Shaw working closely with two other women who also had long-term relationships with other women. When we think about queer women back then, we often think about the negatives, probably because A, history hasn't been kind to queer people or women. And B, most movies about lesbians in the 1800s end in a pit of despair and hopelessness, let's be honest. I'm talking about you, Ammonite. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> For real though, seriously, they're all so sad. Yeah, like, not a good track record. 
So to be completely honest, learning about these women just makes us happy. With their thriving queer subculture, the suffragists proved that queer people existed happily and in harmony. They had a real community, supporting each other, loving each other, and most importantly, working to further a movement that these women devoted their entire lives to. And for that, we owe them a huge thank you. Absolutely. I, I'm i in a good mood after doing this episode. I'm, I'm enjoying the positive content. Right. It's it's just, it really is nice to think about, like, like you, you spoke, you talked about it earlier, but like, I think about queer women back then, all I'm like, all I can think of is secrecy yeah. and needing to hide it and being very underground and like, you know, having these letters, but it's still like underground. In this case, they could like really be open with yeah. each other. Like they were talking to each other about it. They were like the Susan B. Anthony saying that she wishes she had something like what her niece has like that is absolutely gorgeous and i didn't even know about it like yeah yeah completely um and just want to before we're done talking about this i do want to like just make that point again that it's not like the suffragettes were without flaws um they did they made it a lot yeah uh, they did a lot for women but largely that was for the model of like the ideal white woman yep wealthy Um, so yeah intersectionality was definitely lacking Mm -hmm. in this movement so we can't pretend that you know it was perfect um but you know it still made great strides for women's rights so yes and we can't wait to talk about some more um suffragettes of color in our later episodes absolutely yeah this is this is one of, of several parts. There, there are too many people to talk about to, to fit it all into one episode. Yeah, there are too many queer suffragettes to just keep it in one episode. Yeah. Which is awesome. So we hope you enjoyed hearing about them, though. Yeah, I enjoyed learning about it. Oh, that was fun. <laughs> all right, so I've got an extra special trivia game for Mary today. <laughs> I'm so excited. I'm very excited. All right, so this game is called Historical Lesbian Love Letter or Did I Just Make It Up? <laughs> so i'm going to be reading you a quote and it's either from a historical lesbian love letter or i just made it up dude this is so funny like are you serious i'm so excited so i have i have a list of quotes some of them are real some of them are made up and i want you to guess who or not who i want you to guess if if they are made up or if they are real historical lesbian love letter quotes i'll be honest i don't think i'm gonna do well at this uh i know because like it's very hard to emanate it was very hard to emanate this kind of writing i can't even lie to you if anybody could do it you could Um, hey shout out to eily who is like the best writer ever (laughs) no 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 all right are you ready i am ready here's the first quote i am never empty of you not for a moment, an instant, or a single second. Okay, I'm going to say that's... If this isn't real, I'm impressed. Is it? Is it real? It is real. It yeah. is Vita Sackville Vest to Virginia Woolf. Congratulations! Of course it is. All right. Um, you are oh so clever. Please, my love, return and kiss me like we used to. Um, I think that's real, too. Nope, it's fake. No! <laughs> I made that one up. I, you should write me a love letter sometime. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here we go. How I long for you and your dresses and your brow. How I long for the moments you place your hand on my neck. Please do hurry back, for I am restless. Damn. I'm going to say that it's, like, too good to be true, so I think it's fake. It is fake, uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> Congratulations. Ding, ding, ding. Dude, you're good at this. Like, <laughs> Thank you. I, did, I was doing my best. Um, my need for you grows wider and wider by the day. I fear that it will soon consume me, and I will turn, turn, turn back to the underworld like Orpheus. Damn. I'm gonna say. I hope it's true. Is it? Is it real? No, I made it uh, up. Okay, portrait of Lady on Fire. <laughs> <laughs> um, right. I like this game. 
I cannot escape from the rhythmic spurt of your love juice. No. <laughs> <laughs> Did you make that up? That's let me allow me to repeat Please it. Please do. I cannot escape from the rhythmic spurt of your love juice. I just, I really, really want this to be real. So I'm gonna go ahead and say real. It is real. <laughs> no, please. Who? Do you it's know who? from Almeida Sperry uh, to Emma Goldman, and Emma Goldman was an activist in the early 1900s, and Almeida was her lover. Wow! Like, imagine somebody find like. There's no explaining that away. That's just like graphic. I know. <laughs> I've got. I've got a couple more for you. Okay. Um. I never seem to run out of tenderness for you. I need to feel you near. Aww. I'm gonna say it's not real. It is real. It's Vita oh. Sephra West to Virginia Woolf. Jeez. Right? Isn't that sweet? Wow. All right. I've got one more for you. To me, you are as ripe as ever. Clever girl, I feel the need to make you my peach. Interesting. Ripe as ever. Some might say she's calling her old. <laughs> I <laughs> I think I think it's real. No, it's fake. Are you serious? It's fake. Are you serious? I Damn. made it up. I just like I'm so glad <laughs> this went so well yeah I was definitely <laughs> fooled many a time I love this I like this new format um, yeah I thought I thought you would like this so yeah thank you for that lovely game of whatever you called thank it thank you I'm <laughs> of lesbian love letter or did I just make it up <laughs> I look forward to the next editions yes and that is it for this week's episode We hope you enjoyed learning about queer suffragettes as much as we did, and thank you so much for listening. And as always, feel free to message us if there are any stories or topics you think we should cover next, or if you're a queer student who wants to feature their work on one of our episodes. And of course, follow us at Ghosts in the Closet Podcast on Instagram. All right, so as always, I'm Eileen. And I'm Mary. And we'll see you next time to uncover more Ghosts in the Closet. (laughs) 